on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Newark. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Good evening and a special golden oldies for you tonight. Richard Byron from the Rugby Club is our guest as he talks of his lifetime in rugby. As it's Wednesday, of course, we catch up with our weekly bout of Not Fast, Dave Farger, 20 past seven, tells us about it. And we've got a special phone call round about quarter to eight with the victorious Newark Rugby Club under-14 boys manager. They won the NLD trophy against Spalding in the rain and the mud in Derby on Sunday afternoon. Before all that, of course, it's the headlines... On the renowned Radio New at Sport. And congratulations to Newark Swimming Club member Majiro Roman Nopper. Yes, he's foreign. Winning two silver and one bronze medal in the Lithuanian Winter Championships in 2019. Marija, that's the name, Marija, now waits to see if she's been selected for the national team. I really does hope she gets selected and then Tony can do the interview. <laughs> Great days racing in the rain on Sunday for Finlay Cranage in the final round of the Winter BMX Series. Racing really well, he made it through to the A final where he finished seventh. His best ever position in the expert class. Fernwood Soil Club's young fencers Arthur Eakin and Ethan Dakin were in action in the under-13 men's foil in Edinburgh at the weekend. And unfortunately, they were pitted against each other in the last eight. In a nerve-wracking match, Ethan squeaked through 10-9 and he went on to take the bronze medal. Isabel Darvell finished fourth in the Wakefield Cycle Circuit Winter Series. This was her second outing of the season and the second time she's got a fourth place finish. And it's all good news for our powerlifting champion, James Brinkat-Smith. He's been selected for the World Bench Press Championships in Tokyo in May, followed by the European Powerlifting Championships to be held in Romania in July. And he's coming to see us with his daughter sometime round about the beginning of April. And Collingham got the home draw that they wanted in the Floodlit Cup semi-final. They play Appleby Froddingham, funnily enough the team that they beat 4-3 on Saturday, at Station Road on a date to be decided. The Southern Area final, Pinkston take on Hucknall Town. That's a, a clash of the heavyweights and finals we mentioned last night. Well done to Newark Strider Gemma Latham. After nine months out injury, she was running again at the Ashbourne 10K. Her husband, Steve, also had his first ever 10K and her sister was there beside her. Well done, Gemma. Great to have you back. Tony always likes um, it when we're talking about football, rugby or cricket and he was, he's been especially looking forward to tonight because we're actually talking to a gentleman that he knows well and spent... Uh, Unfortunately for our guest, <laughs> spent a lot of time in the car with coming back, I think, from, from Cardiff. But uh, I'm going to be quiet because Mr Smith has a story to tell. Yeah, I got a phone call when I was at the advertiser from uh, from Dukeries College asking me if I would go along to see their under-13 girls eight-a-side football team in the, in the national final. And I just went, no, but can you, can you give us a ring on Monday morning let us know all about it? And she went, oh, I just wonder if she wanted to come along. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm busy this weekend, but give us a ring. And she said, because we're at the Millennium Stadium. I've never been to the Millennium Stadium at Cardiff. And so I said, yes, I'll be there, yes. What, what, what time do we leave? And so it was a great weekend, and we went along there, and then... I said to the teacher, is it okay if I go into the dressing room, after the girls have got changed, go into the dressing room to hear your team talk, to make a note about your team talk, so that I can add a bit of colour to the story? She said, not a problem. So we're in the team talk, and um, in the dressing room, and the teacher said, no matter what you do, 
no matter whether you go on and get married or whether you have children or whatever, this is your moment. You're good enough to win it. Now go out there, let's win it. And you remember this for the rest of your lives. And then her phone went and she went, yeah, hello. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's okay, Richard. Tony Smith here, he'll do it. And I said, uh, Tony Smith will do what exactly? And she said, oh, that's Richard. He's invited another teacher from another school. He said, it's only fair if he sits with her, so will you be my assistant manager? I went, yeah, but... And the referee went, come on, girls, time to go. And we were walking up the tunnel at the Millennium Stadium, and I suddenly realised it was a really bad time to forget my plastic pants, but it was an incredible, incredible experience, and we drew nil-nil, and there was no time for extra time, because the big boys were coming out to play. It was a Football League trophy, final of 2006. Um, Carlisle United against Swansea City... And the um, because we were wearing blue, all the Carlisle United supporters were supporting us. And the guy handing out the trophies said, your girls have done really well. Take them on a lap of honour. And I was going to say, they're not my girls. I'm just in a wonderful place at completely the wrong time. But I thought this will never happen again. I went, come on, girls. And we paraded in front of three decks of, of Carlisle United fans with a clapping my hands above my head, thinking, please, God, don't let me wake up now. And it was a remarkable experience. And, and all the way back, I spoke to uh, Richard about it. And, uh, and he, in, in turn, told me about his experience as a, a Nottingham and uh, Bar Bar's superstar. That's it. I wonder when we'll get around to Richard. <laughs> oh, me, me, me. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Um, finally, welcome to Radio Newark, Richard. Um, very pleased to to have you here and we dragged you away from Kevin Road for one night only um I'm told though that you're not a Newarker no no I'm not um born and bred up in the lakes uh Kendall uh and then came down to to Nottingham to train to be a teacher eight when I was 18 um and then having been at, at, at uni for for three years uh I then went to the north of the county I got my first teaching job up in New up in Worksop, and and that's who I started playing rugby for first. So Worksop was your first. Did you play rugby in your youth then, up in the lakes? So yes, you, yeah, played, rugby played, man? yeah. I mean, it was the system there that it was it was grammar school and and secondary modern, and and I went to the grammar school and we played rugby and we had quite an extensive fixture list played on Saturday, um, but. I was pretty small at school, so didn't really get into the first team at school till like the upper six, so year 13 really. Um, played most of my rugby, in, you know, obviously age group and then into the second team, but only really got into the first team at school when I was, when I was in 17, 18. Do you... Um get back to the lakes because it's it, it must be it must be idyllic I'm, I'm everybody who's not born in in the lakes or cornwall or yeah or places like that would think you know why on earth would you leave but uh, you have to leave to um get out in the great yeah, wide you, world. you do um, i mean mum's still back uh, up there and both my sisters are so i do go back up um and yeah there are times when i miss it but yeah you just gotta move on and yeah yeah are you a a sort of foul walker then is no, it not really no no I'm, uh, I, I think i'm more appreciative of it now but uh certainly at school i mean we we were fa fairly close to the to to uh hills and stuff we did a lot of, of running and something i didn't really enjoy uh particularly having said that i, I enjoy running more a lot more now than i ever did so because uh, no, you can't there's no there's no flat running up there, is it? That's no, there isn't. No, there isn't. <laughs> so um, the first job was, was Worksop, and the first yeah. local rugby club was Worksop. That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I joke. I mean, Worksop are quite a bit lower than Newark now, uh, but I joke with quite a few of them down at Newark. I can remember uh, playing in. We played. I think it might have been maybe a quarter final, and it was Worksop playing Newark. Um, they'd never they'd never played before because Worksop weren't good enough um and we played them at um at stubbing meadows which is workshops ground and absolutely awful day um but we got a pretty good side at workshop at that stage <laughs> um and it ended up being decided 
uh, Nick Scott, who was, I think, the captain of Newark at that time, he got a drop goal, and they beat us 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds an epic. Yeah, to be honest, it was because, I think we'd surprise, you know, when you think about the side that we were playing against from Newark, the likes of, you know, Dave Saxelby, Stan Hutchinson, I mean, that was the side that had, had, had I think, where they won two or three uh, NLD mm. trophies. Mm. Yeah, this, on, is, on, this was on, when those yeah, they knew it were, yeah. at, at, you know, and, and mm. Worksop, lowly Worksop, had held them, and really, you know, to only lose 3 0. But again, it, it sort of <laughs> helped me because obviously we got a good side, and it then sort of catapulted me into playing for for Notts Links and Derby because uh, I'd never played county rugby before. So I ended up playing for Notts Links and Derby. Um, and then obviously one or two had be, one or two of the selectors or uh, hierarchy at Nottingham Rugby Club had seen saw me play uh, liked how I played and through a, a series of injuries down at, at Nottingham I got invited to play down there one, it was obviously in the non-professional era um, and and play for for Nottingham first team. So I'd been playing one Saturday. I played Worksop versus Dinnington, which is quite a local derby match. And then the next Saturday, there'd been injuries at Nottingham, and I'm playing for Nottingham against Sale. It was sort of it's surreal. surreal. Really, yeah, it? it was absolutely the, surreal. Um, I, I mean. What was the toughest? Because I'd have thought works off against Dinnington wouldn't take yeah, any prisoners. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's funny you say that. I, mean, it was, I don't know who I was talking to, but um, because you, you're in a side, where when you're playing at Nottingham, you've got everybody knows their job, what they've got to do. And if, if I was in, in any difficulty, there was always somebody on my shoulder to help me and support me. Whereas that wouldn't have been the case at work. <laughs> no. So, you know, I can remember they just bombarded me with high balls all, all, all afternoon. And like, I'm, I'm reasonable at catching a high ball. And the first person, normally if I'd been playing for workshop, I'd have taken the high ball and then had to get myself out of trouble. But I'm turning round and then stood next to me is Gary Reese, who's, you know, England number seven. And he's bailing me out. And so I'm made to look good because he's in the right place and helping me. Yeah. My my informant tells me that you spent actually 11 years at Nottingham. And um, he tells me, fantastic positional sense and an intrepid tackler. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, the game's changed enormously now. But at... When I was when I was sort of at the height of my career, catching eyeballs and tackling and being in the right place were the three basics of a good fullback. And I, if I added kicking the ball as the fourth, I had three of the four. <laughs> I just my my sort of regret is that although I've pre- practiced many many hours, kicking the ball is not my strength, and so didn't move me on perhaps as far as as I, I could have gone on maybe how I, 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 I go back to I think it was last season wasn't it when Newark played the RAF um, and we, and quite a few of the the older guys ex-professionals come along and had a game yeah. and the and, and the Newark um, faithful in the stands was going <sighs> when the tackles was was coming in as if to say well you know, and these were the guys was 40 plus years old and they was making the the the, the new faithful winch uh, how much tougher is the tackling when you're with Nottingham against Sale and it is against Workshop and Dinnington or is it cleaner probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, in, in, uh, at that time I don't think it was that that much harder the, 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 the physical bit wasn't the, the, the important bit really it was more I think at that time about the skill set that you had, um, whereas now that's that's t- 
taken for granted the skill set so you know some of the lads I see playing down at Newark have unbelievable skill sets from all the work they've done you know through the, 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 the youth section but what they're lacking is probably the physical presence because the, the game is so much more physical now mm. you know my, my son is always telling me Dad, you'd never survive now because <laughs> it's just so, so much more physical. And, and what does Dad say? Dad probably agrees with me. <laughs> no, Dad does. Dad, Dad does agree with it. You know, you know. I, I would, you know, when I was tackling the likes of, you know, Rory and Tony Underwood. So when they're playing for Leicester, they're, I don't know, twelve, thirteen stone. As opposed to, you know, wingers now are 15 stone, 16 stone, and the impact on you, you know, I'd get up and make the next one, that's what, is quite, it's immense really, the actual impact on you, so, yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't cope, I wouldn't. In, in, in his day, John, uh, John Alomo was thought to be a bit of a freak of nature. These days, every single player is like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I take, should they change the rules on tackling? Because we've spoke to Rob about this, and Rob's bless him is on his fence, and um, <laughs> the, 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 it's gaining momentum, isn't it? That yeah, the, the, the trouble is now there the game. There is so much, uh, so much of the the emphasis is on defence so it's tackling literally this you know very very close together and so the hits are more upper body upper body whereas you know when i was playing it we were we, the defence wasn't as good they were running at you and as long as you've got your body in the right position you let their weight go over the, go, so it was going over my shoulder that's not considered a good tackle now because they can offload the ball offloading didn't occur then whereas um, now you need to be in their face stopping them offloading and therefore you're making more upper body tackles I'm, you know for me tackling was around the legs not upper body um, so yeah it has changed and it, it is a difficult one, but player safety is is paramount, isn't it? It most certainly is. All right, uh, we're going to talk to Dave not fast, and then we're going to come back and have a lot, lot more from Richard as we uh, he tells us about eleven years at Nottingham, and um, we're even going to go to Twickenham, not once, but twice. Back with our special guest talking rugby in a few minutes' time, but it is Wednesday night, and every Wednesday night. We talk not fast, and we talk that with Dave Farger. And Dave, um, what sort of weekend did they have? I think it might be a fairly muddy and windy one out there at Beaver, but uh, I'll let you tell the story. Dave, are you there? Hello, Dave. Dave, are you there? We seem to have lost Dave. Mr Smith's going to have to spring into action. Okay. In fact, you can tell your little story, Tony, and while I try and... Um, find out what's gone wrong okay one of the uh finest footballers this town has ever produced and and one of the best people the town has ever produced wishes to pass on his regards richard and that is reese lewis and he he, he paid you a wonderful compliment uh in his article in the newark flow serve uh, program basically he said in the Biggest influence at school is one of the questions that I ask of the players and then write it up in the programme. And he said, his biggest influence at school was Richard Byram and he is the, or you are the reason that he's a teacher today. And, and Richard, you can give your answer in a moment because we've actually found, <laughs> we've actually found um, Dave again. Dave, are you there? Please say yes. Oh, now this is interesting. The phones are obviously not working tonight. Hmm, Okay. Right, okay, well I really don't know what's gone wrong there, so we'll have to try and get hold of Dave a little bit later on. I'll leave um, Tony and Richard to have a chat for a moment. So, uh, the, 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 that is the message that he, you passed on, Richard. Well, that's very nice to hear. I mean, Reese was um, a PE teacher's delight at school, to be perfectly honest. Somebody who was just 
hyper enthusiastic. Didn't matter what sport we played, uh, Reese would do it. And obviously, when when I, when I taught at the Magnus, although I knew Reese was an outstanding footballer, we didn't do a lot of football. We but we did a lot of rugby, <laughs> and he was you know a major influence in our rugby team. And the particular year group that he was in. There was a number of good footballers mixed with some good quality rugby players, and they made a really good team. Um, and in the end, I think we, with that particular year group, we got through to maybe something like the last last eight of the Daily Mail plate competition that was run. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Reese, as I say, was. Ju- just a great lad to, to have on board and, and so enthusiastic I think more than anything it's, 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 it's certainly a wonderful lad to have in the flow surf squad because um, when he actually made his debut for us when he uh, signed from Grantham he made his, his debut in midfield and, sco- and scored two goals but uh, then he's played most of the time in central defence, but on Saturday at Bur- Borowash we had to move him into into midfield to, to cover for a couple of absences and straight away again, just natural sort of talent, absolutely a joy to watch. Yeah, uh, and, and, and he's, I think, sort of, the, the big thing with him was that he, it, it, whatever enthusiasm he had, didn't matter whether we were losing or whatever, he would still manage to rally the rest of the lads round, and he would, you know, he was one of those who just never stopped. Right, we're just going to go for attempt number three with um, with Dave. We've twiddled, we've twiddled the knobs, and hopefully, for the third and final time, Dave, are you there? I am, hello. Oh, yes. Yes, there is a God. <laughs> you can hear me, right? I can hear you, yes. We've found you, we've kicked something and bashed something and um, it seems to be working again. Lovely, Dave, um, a belated welcome to Radio Notesport and your Not Fast Report, please. Thank you, Mick. Um, yeah, so um, quite a bit over the last uh, weekend, sunny and rainy um, on Saturday and Sunday. 26 club members over two part runs. Uh, personal best for Gemma Lindsay and Laura Smith, so well done to Gemma and Laura. Uh, we had lots of members running various distances over the weekend. Um, a total competitive running distance this weekend of 814 kilometres, with some of our members running two, if not three, races. On Saturday, uh, I went along with 18 other members to uh, Harby to join over a 1,000 runners taking part in the sunny, hilly and muddy Beaver Challenge. Now, it's a mix of either 15 miles or 26 miles across a vale of, um, of Belvoir. Um, full results um, will be on the update, because I'm, I'm just conscious that going through 19 results um, is going to be quite time-consuming. But some really good times for, for the people. A uh, couple of standouts as well. But one thing to bear in mind with the times is, um, with the race, because it's a trail race, you're bottlenecking quite a lot. So there's lots of standing around for people to get over the sides. And, of course, mate, you've got to bear in mind, there's a lot of cake stops. Um, and as you know, we like cake and not fast. So <laughs> there's lots of um, lots of waiting around to fill up before the rest of the race. The cake kings and queens. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So it was a good, it was a good beaver on, um, on, on Saturday. Now, on Sunday, uh, in the not-so-nice weather, we had the Cambridge Half Marathon. We had seven members taking part. Uh, Damien Davis got a new personal best of 118.53. Um, Peter Lane, 156.54. Chris Redhead, 2 hours 11.53. Bonnie Tinsley, 2 hours 17.02. Kerry Robinson, 2 hours 23. And Cliff Robinson, 2 hours 44. Now, a little bit further afield, Kim Etherington Bates took part in the Ashbourne 10K. She completed in 50 minutes and 46. And Nettie Stevens completed the Ashbourne 10 mile race in 1 hours 14.37. Had a few members at the Rushcliffe. They had a uh, running festival. I don't know if you can call it a festival with only two little races. Um, It was a 5 and 10k race on Sunday. uh, Completing the 5k with Steve White, 29.36, who also then went on to do the 10k in 49.09. Jim Lovett in 50 minutes and 30 and a trio of barrels richard barrel in 52.03 amy barrel 55.40 getting a new personal best and karen barrel in one hour 11.10 so good mix of different types of races over the last weekend 
And I know a few members are looking forward to the Retford Half Marathon this coming Saturday or Sunday, I think it is. I think uh, it's Sunday. It's going to be a Newark takeover. Uh, I think it will. Uh, I think at last count, there was um, probably the percentage majority have not passed for the uh, Retford Half. <laughs> We look forward. We 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 look forward to that one. I think that's um, one of the highlights on the running calendar. Is 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 the Retford half, isn't it? It is. I, I'm not doing it myself. I'm um, well. I've got plans with wine the night before, so I don't think a half marathon is the best <laughs> idea. <laughs> plans with wine. I think that, that's um, that's excellent. So um, hope hopefully you'll be you'll be fit enough to write about it and tell us about it next Wednesday. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, thank you so much. Slightly delayed, Lovely. but we got there in the end. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Yes. Ba- bye-bye. Slightly delayed, Dave Farger there, but um, the, the, the correct lights lit up eventually. <laughs> um, story of my life. Um, <laughs> Played for Nottingham for 11 seasons. Um, the only appearance at Twickenham... Well, there's been two now, but the first appearance at Twickenham, shall we say that, was in, in the Middlesex Sevens. Yeah. That's got you thinking. No, it hasn't got me thinking. <laughs> it, when you say appearance, I was... I mean, in those days, you had a squad of, I think it was ten, for the middle for the Middlesex Sevens, and um, Nottingham had, had been runners-up... Um, the, the previous season um, so we'd been invited back uh, hadn't played in the previous season and I was part of the squad when we went down however bad news was I was in the vicinity of Twickenham however I didn't get on the pitch because <laughs> we got knocked out in the first round and we didn't use any of the, re- the, the replacements during that time so Although I might have been on the edges of Twitter, I never actually got onto the pitch. Um, one of my biggest regrets, I think, yeah. But you did get onto the pitch for a second trip down to Twickenham, didn't you? Which was the, the a, a, um, a combined Newark and Southall thing. Ah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, to be honest, very enjoyable uh, day. Really enjoyable day out. Just, um, it was a... a, a a, the fact it was a combined Newark and Southall 15 was a something yeah. in, in itself, but he was actually playing against um, the House of Commons and House of Lords combined 15. Yeah, and when you say combined Newark and Southall uh, <laughs> side, yeah, how, how we worked it wasn't quite like that. So if my memory serves me right, we did, we split the game up into four quarters and we did quarter one. They did quarter two, we did quarter three, they did quarter four, I think. Um, but that's, that's as combined as it ever yeah, really that's, was. That's yeah, that's right, that's <laughs> absolutely right, yeah. Um, but again, they had, I mean, when the opposition had one or two uh, decent players. When you say House of Commons and, and House of Lords, I think sort of MPs and Lords, there might have been maybe four or five. I think all the, all the staff, that are around the areas were the were, were the actual rugby players, um, but but it was it was a day that um, went on the sort of bucket list type. Yeah, of absolutely, one yeah, and I mean on the bucket list for a, a lot of Newark players. Um, you have to bear in mind that you know a lot of the lads who played for, for Newark that day had played had played Newark first team, so you know we're we're a decent standard. And so one or two, obviously, had played, you know, at higher levels. So yeah, we had a, we had a good side out. Again, I keep referring to my notes, which have been very kindly supplied to me. Uh, rewarded for his devotion to duty at Nottingham by being selected for, to play for the Barbarians, and that must have been another bucket list day. Um, yeah, uh, I think I'm trying to think. When it, I, mean, I think it was nineteen. I think it was nineteen ninety-seven. I can't honestly remember off the top of my head. Um, but um, the previous year, to me actually playing, I'd been I'd been invited to play in the same game, and I was injured. And I always remember talking to to Simon Hodgkinson saying, "How can I turn round and say no? I can't play for the Barbarians." But I, I, obviously. He said, just go, play the first two minutes, 
and then come off injured. Um, and it wasn't me. That wasn't my, you know, I, if I was going, I was, I was going to go and enjoy myself and have a, a, have a good day. So I thought I'd lost the chance as it were. However, I got the same invite the following year. It was in, it's the Mobs Memorial game. So where the Barbarians play a team from the East Midlands. Um, I mean, it's one of the, the, the lesser fixtures, but a barbarian shirt is a barbarian shirt. You know, it doesn't matter really where you've got it from, as it were. You've been on the pitch, um, and we won the game. It was at um, it was at Northampton, and we won the game. I think it was fifty points to forty. Um, I scored a try. Um, I think there were maybe eight or ten of the school first team watching on the side. They thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, great day out. Great day it out. It most certainly was. Um, let's talk about Newark now then, um, because was did you come to Newark after after Nottingham? Yes. So I, I left Nottingham uh, 1999. So 30, uh, was what, 37 when I, when I, when I finished there. Um, and I mean bless him Charlie Furs was the real reason that I came to to Newark I mean I was teaching in Newark at the time so it did make sense for me where, to come where, where did you come to Newark to teach then where was you I was at Magnus, was at Magnus. Yeah, I was, I, I'd, I'd been and this is of course in the days when they played and supplied the Newark rules yeah well I, I'd got the job at Magnus early early nine early 1990s um Frank Hanford was the head there and he was rugby mad, absolutely rugby mad. And I always remember at the interview, they'd asked me, you know, would you would you on a Saturday, because we obviously had Saturday fixtures, if you were playing rugby for Nottingham or you were playing, uh, or you were going to need to be for the first, look after the first 15 on a Saturday, what would you do? Well, obviously, I said in the interview, I'll, I'll be with the school team, of course. I'll be. <laughs> and I always remember Frank saying after, after the interview, he said, you won't be doing that. You will be playing for Nottingham. So, um, yeah, so it did make sense when I finished at Nottingham to go to Newark, but Mansfield had approached me because they knew I was, I was leaving. And at that time, I lived in, I lived in Worksop. So I had, well, I went to speak to them at Mansfield and then I obviously spoke to them at Newark and, and Charlie was, well, unbelievably convincing that I needed to be. Charlie, uh, was, Charlie was Charlie. Charlie was Charlie. <laughs> and, uh, A great man. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic bloke. And yeah, he made, the, he more or less made the decision for me. And obviously, best decision I ever made, you know, because obviously I wanted to put something back into the game, having had lots out of the game, uh, and Newark, I've been there since, you know. I remember Dave Saxelby saying to me when he was captain of Newark that uh, Charlie was like his second dad. And, and, and I think that was how, uh, basically how, how much he was thought of at that, that Callum Road. Yeah. One wonderful man. Just lived and breathe the you know mm. put so much into into the place and uh yeah great sense of humor mm -hmm. um just it just got one one sort of l little disadvantage well yeah, <laughs> yeah he was uh, not that i want to go on about it but he would have loved obviously you know <laughs> The game against uh, yeah. England, you know, a fortnight ago, he'd have loved it and he'd been when, rubbing it in. Yeah. But when that final whistle went, he was the first person on my thought. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. First person to think of me was Wynne Thomas, yeah. <laughs> um, you actually played for the first 11 until you was 50 years old. First 15, yeah. yes. First 15, First sorry. 15, yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah, played, played up to 50 um, and had the greatest pleasure i think of playing in the first team with my son so we both played probably four or five games together in the first 15 switch yeah he's right up there at the time. <laughs> yeah obviously um, uh, the, the barbarians the, the the magic twickenham that we've that we've spoke about but if somebody asks you the simple question 
your rugby playing highlight of your career? The answer would be. I, I, I sort of, I mean, playing with my son is right up there, but I suppose th- the game that stands out more than any, I think, was the the semi-final of the John Player, what was the John Player Cup, uh, so the cup competition, uh, where we were playing Harlequins um, down at the stoop, and we... Uh, were, I think we were losing first half, got the game, uh, got it back to, I think it was 19 all, and we had, Simon Hodgkinson had a kick to win the game in the last minute, um, and I remember it was a very windy day, I was holding the, I was holding, lying on the floor holding the ball, so that's how windy it was. And with his with his kick to win the game, it hit the post. Um, if it had gone over, we'd have been in the final. We'd have been at Twickenham. Um, so I think that's probably my highlight. I think because the game itself was just fantastic. We lost it unfortunately in extra time. Um, I think memory serves me right I got in the first couple of minutes of extra time I think I got concussed and had to come off um, but yeah that's probably the highlight I think you could have walked away at 50 and said you know that's my career done I, I've done my bit but um, you actually went on to be director of rugby at Newark yeah I mean I'm all I, I'm, I'm rugby through and through and I just I don't know what it is. I mean, Saturday is not Saturday without doing some some sort of rugby. Uh, and I've always just wanted to put stuff back into the game because I've had unbelievable pleasure from the game. And uh, it's been my, you know, my chance to do that, whether it be playing down at Newark and helping some of the younger lads while I've played down there, whether it's been as, I mean, they give the title director of rugby, but... I'm not quite sure what, what I'm actually involved, but I'm, you know, I've been able to to coordinate the, the senior teams, and I mean, I love it now. I look after the second team on a Saturday afternoon and get a huge amount of pleasure from from doing that as well. So, yeah, I'll, it, it, I want to keep going as long as I possibly can. When we've um, talked about the under-14s, we'll come back and we'll talk about the future of Newark Rugby Club and of and of rugby as um, as uh, 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 um, as well. Um, but we'll talk about the youth at Newark Rugby Club now. And Tony and I both tell people week in week out, it's basically second to none. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, the amount of children that are down there, boys and girls, is phenomenal, and the level of coaching that a lot of them are getting down there because you've now got people in the past i think it was very keen dads and mums to some extent as well helping out now the people who are running the teams are people who've played at a good level themselves and the quality of the coaching like you just said is is second to none um we're not we're not um, one of the rules of this show is we haven't got favourites and of course neither of us got favourites no. um the newark rugby club girls are mine uh, and they have been since the first couple of weeks when they started and uh, mark doll coming to this studio with jess weaver and a couple more saying can you help can you find us some girls and that story went on went on and you know newark had national champions and it's just been a, a brilliant ride for the last five years what do you think of ladies and girls playing rugby? I, I think it's great. Um, I maybe seven or eight years ago, I had my first sort of came across girls rugby really, or it got involved when I got asked to referee a game, and never refereed a girls game before. And so the normal normal procedure beforehand is to check boots before the start of the game. And a lot of them like kneel on the halfway line and you go along and check. But these girls, when they like, they, they were kneeling and I could see the boots. 
but they had their hands out in front of them and I had to go along and check nails at the same time <laughs> as, as their studs. Never obviously come across <laughs> that before. But the game itself, skill level, yeah. absolutely. I was blown away with the skill level. Not Obviously not the, necessarily the physicality of the game, but their handling uh, and running off the ball and support was tremendous. And one of my roles this year from the RFU has been to, to try and get rugby into our two local schools that for girls. So at Magnus and Newark Academy, years seven and eight are both, uh, uh, both doing rugby with the hope that some of them, and I've spoken to Mark about it, and we have not had a great deal of success, but the hope is that we can get some of them or more of them down the club. Um, but I do think that it's perhaps year seven and eight is almost, as I said to Mark, a little bit late. We perhaps need to be looking at our primary schools mm. to try and get the, the interest and in enthusiasm. Get them in then. Get them there, get them down to the club and then move them on from there. Well, as we've said, or, or we've all said that the Newark U setup is second to none, and uh, in their centenary year, there is already one trophy in the trophy cabinet, and that's what we're going to hear about next. And hopefully to the phone lines, he says with trepidation after the last phone call, um, we are going to um, the the manager, I think. Peter, are, are, are you there first? I am there, Vic. I am here. Brilliant. So, it's, it's yeah, like, I wouldn't say, um, say I'm a manager. I would just say I'm somebody who turns up on a wet Wednesday night to help coach the boys. And so I, I, I think it's cruel making them train three days after they won a cup. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, we, we have matches most weekends, so they've got Yarborough at home this weekend, and the club are going to present the cup to them on Sunday, so they want to put on a good show in front of the home crowd, the home crowd, one man and his dog sometimes, but put a good show on in front of the home crowd so they get the cup presented by the club chairman. Uh, I um, got um, Rob and everybody sending me messages on Sunday afternoon, and at half-time, at 20 points to seven, it was game over. Um, I learned off Rob on Monday night that um, it was a missed conversion with the last kick of the game. Um, Old Spalding would have won it. Um, do I detect probably conditions came into play a little bit? Conditions came into play a bit, and to a certain extent, we must have helped the little old lady across the road at some point because the luck, the luck was on our side, put it that way. It was a lucky win. Um, but the boys played very, very well to get to the point they did and stuck in there because Spalding came back hard. This crop of under-14s you've, you've got, they're obviously the best in the three counties, but just um, how good are they? They're very, very good. They, you know, we've been coaching these youngsters since the age of six. Um, Newark Rugby Club, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to get down here on a Sunday. There are hundreds of young youngsters around, many, many parents like myself giving up the time. And then also there's lots of people working behind the scenes. So I do believe Newark is becoming a bit of a factory for rugby talent within the East Midlands. It, it, most, um, it, it most certainly is. And how... You know, this is the centenary year, so um, to put the first trophy in the cabinet of the of the year, the under fourteen boys, you must be, as a father, as a coach, so proud. Very, very, very proud. Very proud. Um, yeah, no, my, you know, from my son to the rest of the boys, you know, it was a wet, horrible day. They got stuck in. Yes, they were a bit lucky at the end, but they had to work hard to be, you know, to be in that position to win. And so. And then you've told them that um, you're only as good as the next game, so get yourselves out there yes, for your on Sunday morning. They're, 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 they're down here in the pouring rain tonight, full squad out of about 26 youngsters, um, and we've just done a quick sharp ses session run through. The lads who didn't make the final squad are playing this Sunday, um, so everybody gets an opportunity to fight for their place for the next big game. So. Absolutely brilliant. And you say you're going to hand the trophy over on Sunday morning? That's correct. Dave Duddles um, is uh, you know, he's in charge of the youth. Um, he's going to do a presentation in the clubhouse on Sunday morning. Excellent. We'll have to try and get along to that one. Um, Peter, thank you so much. And uh, congratulations from everybody at Radio Nook and everybody involved in local sport. A first trophy in the cabinet is always the best one. Thank you very much for your time. OK, thank you. 
And as we said, you know, that is a trophy in the cabinet. And that's what we're going to talk about now with Richard. We're going to talk about the future. We, we, we mentioned before we went to Peter, the youth set up, the, 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 the girls set up. It has been thrown, shall we say, at New at Rugby Club that they have taken their eye off what's going off on the pitch to get the best amateur facilities of anywhere in the country. I think that's probably not being too blase about it. They They absolutely are outstanding. And and the credit, credit to everybody involved, because to achieve what's been achieved um, in in no time is, is absolutely remarkable. Now, Richard, all eyes will turn to what's going off on the pitch, because... Newark have the facilities now to play an awful lot higher than Midlands too. How do Newark get higher than Midlands too? That's the million dollar question, isn't it, really? Um, facilities are fantastic. I, I actually think we have in Ben Buxton an outstanding coach. I, But for me... One of the areas we have got to work on is player retention and keeping hold of some of the unbelievable talent we've got lower down. A lot of the the, the, the boys that are coming through find themselves when they get to 18, uh, off to university, and in many instances they'll go to university and won't play rugby again which is he's criminal in many ways um, so we've got to put something in place that tries to keep more of our youngsters in and around the club because the talent if, you know, if I look at the first team at the moment we've got a really young set of lads um, if, uh, if you take Dave Garland out of the equation who's the number 8 um, everybody's under 30 and potentially they are very, very good, but hanging on to them is another, another, another kettle of fish, as it were. Um, and I, we, but we've got to do something. We have got to do something to try and keep hold of these players. It's, um, it's the, the age-old problem, isn't it? Um, away from rugby, um, I'm told uh, again. My my spies have been doing their own work for me. Um, you're a granddad. Yeah. You, you run yes, today, you run marathons, yeah. you still play rugby um, occasionally, you do a bit of refereeing. Yeah. Um, tell me about Richard away from rugby. Richard away from rugby. Um, I mean, granddaughters take up uh, a fair amount of time. Uh, that They are just a delight to have. Um, both of them are quite sporty. Uh, which makes life even better. Both of them are very, very good swimmers, uh, even at four and five. Um, one of them runs as well, does the park runs. Um, so, yeah, but they are an absolute delight to have around, so they take up quite a bit of time. T- Tony joined the granddad <laughs> club um, not many months ago, six, six months ago? Uh, four months. Four, four months ago, but... It changes your world, doesn't it, Richard? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it does. Um, so, between me and my wife, Heather, we uh, we look after them, you know, a reasonable amount because their mum and dad work quite a bit, so we have them quite a bit, which is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, if ever I missed out on my... And I don't think I did miss out on mine growing up, uh, but... They they've certainly made up for it. Um, yeah, uh, they 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 are a lot of our time. Um, Everybody tells you when you got, you're about to be a granddad, it changes your life completely, and you go, yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah, whatever, and you just ignore people, yeah. and then when it happens, it just rips your head off. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You just look at the world differently. It is absolutely stunning. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I'm talking of golden oldies. We've got three granddads in this room. <laughs> we are, we, we've Good def- effort. We've yeah. definitely got the- um, you, you ran a marathon yeah, for charity. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, 
I've said, obviously, brought up in the lakes. I didn't do a lot of running, but I do I do enjoy running. I think initially it was just as a stress release from work, but I've got into it and and run more and more. So, you know, I will do, I don't know, three or four, uh, five or six mile runs each week. Um, and the marathon one was just something whereby... I'm 50, I need to prove that I can do something just a bit more challenging. Um, so I went down and did the London Marathon. Uh, did just, what was so frustrating is I just did over four hours for it. And I knew, I knew I was capable of running right. under four and now hours. you want to get to less than four. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I then did a few, so I then did, I did the Edinburgh Marathon, didn't get under four. I did stupidly. I went back up to the lakes and did run the, the the lakes marathon, which is round Windermere, but it's up and down. And I certainly didn't break four for that. <laughs> and then I did London again, and I broke four. So yeah, I've done I've done four marathons. Well, I was, I said that I did one when I was under twenty three, twenty four, and I was around about just three hours ten, three hours twelve, I think, for that. But obviously, I didn't do anything in between time, as it were. Can you imagine a Saturday afternoon without rugby? I can't, no. no. <laughs> Weighing up that and shopping, yeah, my wife, no, no. I think she knows by now, Yes, yeah, she, she does, she does. And she always Later. says, she always says to, to our children, your dad wouldn't be your dad if he didn't do rugby. So, yeah, that's, that's how it is, really, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my thanks to Richard for coming in tonight, Richard. The hour is pleasure. almost um, is almost on on us. It's been absolutely fascinating and wonderful a wonderful chat. And uh, my two spies, if you haven't guessed who my two spies are, are Rob Wardman and Alan Swain. And I thank both of those for taking time out to uh, send me the information to make my life no an awful lot easier. So Alan and um, Rob, thank you so much. And we have also received confirmation while this show is on. Um, the next rugby player in our series of Golden Oldies is Mr. Dusty Hare. <laughs> He's agreed to come in. <laughs> Never heard on to the show. So <laughs> they played against him a few times, <laughs> mostly on the losing side. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dusty's going to come in and have a chat with us, and we look forward to that. I, I just think. Um, New York Rugby Club have got so much to look forward to. Yeah, and so do I. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it really does. It's going in the right direction. It is going in the it, right direction. Right. Yeah, There's a lot of wonderful people down there as well. Mm. Very odd. And you, my friend, are included in that in that batch. Um, enjoy that one, Mr Smith? Absolutely superb. It's, it's, you just can't beat Golden Oz. I kind of feel I belong. <laughs> well, you're, you're off there. You're old. Uh, tomorrow night, it um, was billed as strictly Mick and Tony, but it's strictly Mick and Tony plus a phone call because Chris Hassel is back off his um, little holiday and um, he's got an awful lot to catch up on Jags wheelchair basketball. So we're going to talk to Chris tomorrow night. But apart from that, it is strictly Mick and Tony as we talk about the demise of Real Madrid. <laughs> and when you take the best player in the world away that's what happens but we'll argue about that one I've got no doubt tomorrow night Richard thank you so much from us bye bye